Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Church Podcast. My name is Joe and I'm part of the team here. And I wanna tell you that we believe you can tell a better story. We design content with you in mind and today you're gonna to be hearing a great message about how you can take one more step in following Jesus. Every single Sunday, join us 9 a.m. and 1045 in the room. Let's get into our message of hope today. Yeah, doing all right? My name is Mike. If we haven't met, I serve as the lead pastor. And I know that for a lot of you, you came here because you need some hope. And here's how I know that. Because of the jersey that you're wearing today, you need a whole lot of hope. And I just want you to know, as a 49er fan, if you'd like to jump on the bandwagon today, I'm taking applications after service. And you can do that because all people who love Jesus root for the 49ers. I just want you to know. <laughs> Wow, that got a good reaction. That was a good reaction. There you go. All right. Well, when you, when you, when you get called out as sinners, you, you should react that way, right? Just kidding. So glad that you're here. I hope you're glad that you're here after what I've just said, but honored that you've come to be a part of the story that God is writing at Active Church. I want to take a moment and address two things. One, this weekend is a three-day weekend, which we love, but it's a three-day weekend because we are honoring the man, Martin Luther King Jr., and, and yeah, we can celebrate him. And what I've really grown to love about Dr. King is that what he did for our country, but for the world, wasn't motivated by something in him that was selfish, but was motivated by his love for Jesus. And what he wanted to accomplish and what others have wanted to continue to accomplish is to bring heaven to earth. And what I love about gathering with you on a Sunday here at Active Church is that each and every week that we gather, this place looks more and more like what heaven is going to look like. Meaning that not all of you look and sound like me. And that's a good thing. I'm glad because heaven is everybody. It's every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's all of us together who have bend the knee to Jesus, who Jesus has come for and has loved and has rescued and has saved. And so I'm grateful that we get to gather in a place where our heart and our desire is to continue the great work that Dr. King began so many years ago. Now, the other thing I wanted to address is something that's hard and something that's heavy. I know that many of you pay attention to what's happening in our community and in our world and, and you maybe are aware of two officers that have lost their life, one from a couple weeks ago, and then, of course, one this weekend. And that's always super sensitive for me because I have two brothers and I have a nephew who serve in the city of Redlands. And, and so anytime I hear about this stuff, I, I, I feel an extra, an extra tug on my heart for the families that are affected because of this loss of life. And these that serve, those that serve, they know that they're putting their lives on the line and they're not expecting to lose their lives, but they are putting their lives on the line. And, and so when things like this happen, I just feel like it's important for us to acknowledge it, but also to take it and lay it before God and take the families and lay the families before the Lord as well. So before we dive in, I'd love to just pray for those families, pray for you, and then we'll take a few minutes and dive into the story of God together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we celebrate an incredible weekend, a weekend where we 
can be reminded that heaven can come to earth when we choose to serve and surrender and honor you, that all people from every walk of life, from every background and ethnicity are, are loved by you and are invited by you into the kingdom of God. So we celebrate that today. But our hearts are also heavy as we see what's happening in our world and what's happening in our community. And so we want to lay before you the families of the two officers who have passed away serving in the line of duty. And we ask that you would be with their families. We ask that you would be with their kids, their spouses. God, we pray for your peace that surpasses our understanding, that doesn't make sense in chaotic moments, but you make sense. So we pray for your, your love and your grace and your mercy to win the day as they grieve and as they process this incredible loss. May we be a church that is always close to the brokenhearted because you are always close to us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And together we say, amen and amen and amen. We are in week two of a series called XO. And we're sharing relationship help for every relationship. For every relationship that you're in, that I'm in, and every relationship that maybe is romantic or you're engaged or you're married or maybe you're a parent or you're a friend or you're a boss or you're an employee or you're a teenager or you're a child. We're sharing relationship wisdom for every relationship because we wanna get this right. And relationships can often be really hard, which is why we want some help so that we can get this right. And we began last week asking a really important question. Why do relationships matter? And we discovered together that they matter because it's in relationship where we learn about who we are and what we've been created to do. It's in relationship where we learn about who we were created to be and the abilities that we have been given. It's where we live out those abilities. It's in a relationship with God, our heavenly father, through his son, Jesus Christ, that we discover our identity and our purpose. And it's in relationship with each other that we live that out with great confidence and great courage. It's in relationship that we discover these things. We can't discover these things in isolation, which is why if you are, are a follower of Jesus, the words just me and God should never be a part of our vocabulary because it's never just you and God. God has done a great work in you and it overflows to the world around you through your relationships, whatever relationship that you're in. And when we get this right, it allows us to know that our relationships are actually headed somewhere. I don't think any of us want relationships that have settled. I don't think any of us want relationships that are stagnant or boring. I think we want relationships that are growing, right? Which brings us to the second question that we wanna wrestle with today, and it's this. How do we grow in our relationships? Like, how do we know that you are healthy and holy and godly and good? And how do you know if I'm healthy and holy and godly and good? How do we grow in relationships? Well, I wanna give you a phrase that will help you to remember how we grow, and then we're going to tease it out and work it through today. But here's the phrase. If you wanna grow with them, start by getting to know them. 
If you want to grow with them, start by getting to know them. No matter the relationship, if you want to grow in relationship, you start by getting to know them in relationship. But here's what I've discovered, and maybe you've felt this too. When we talk about knowing each other, it feels a bit ambiguous, doesn't it? Like, for example, have you ever asked somebody who's dating, engaged, married, how they knew that that was the person for them? Their response is, is typically this. I just knew that I knew. And you're like, all right. And then they, 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 they want to add to it because they see the confused look on your face. They say something like, I felt it in my heart. It spoke to my soul. I could, I could feel it deep within my bones. And then you ask them, well, how... How, how can I know that I know that this is the right person? And they respond with these words. You'll just know. And you're laughing because maybe you've experienced what I've experienced or maybe you've shared that with somebody. And here's, here's what I've discovered. That when we share it, it's actually really powerful for us. We may not be able to articulate it really well, but what we feel, what we're experiencing, what we're sensing is that, yes, this is the person for me. Maybe God put us together. If you believe that and believe that God has got one unique person for you, maybe that's why you've said, I just knew that this was the person. Or maybe you have a different perspective, but you just knew that this was the person. But for those that are receiving that information, for a lot of us, we're, we're a bit confused because there's nothing to grab onto. So how do you, how do you know if you really know that you know them? Are you with me? Like, how do you know if you know them really? No matter the relationship, how do you know if you know? And I think today it would be really important for us to look to Jesus and the life of Jesus because there was something that Jesus did for you and for me that we now can do for others. And I want to show you this information, this nugget of information that Paul actually writes about in a letter to the church in Philippi, it's the Philippian church. And there's a letter in the scriptures in the New Testament called Philippians. And so if you have a Bible with you or access to the Bible app, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Again, Paul is writing this to people like you and people like me. And as he's talking about Jesus... And what he experienced from Jesus, what he heard about Jesus, what he knows and is confident about Jesus, he begins to answer the question how we can get clarity on if we actually can know each other. And so let me read the words that Paul writes to these Christians in Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Meaning that when Jesus showed up, he didn't throw down a resume and say, hey, you want to know who I really am? Check this out. Like there's the references are impeccable on this resume, right? Like I am able to achieve anything that you would ask for and beyond that. Jesus didn't show up throwing his crown at our feet and saying, you need to know who I am. He didn't come flexing. He didn't come in a tank. He didn't come in an army, even though he is God. Paul says, rather, he made himself nothing 
By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And it's in this that Paul gives us some clarity as to how we can actually know each other and know that we know each other. It was something that Jesus actually did for us. Paul says that Jesus came to be with us. More specifically, Jesus made an investment of time in us. Jesus, when he walked this earth, he lived for 33 years. And it was at age 30 that Jesus began what we know as his ministry. This is those, these are those stories in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These true stories of Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus healing the, the, the lame man and he walks again. Jesus giving sight to the blind. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus teaching about turning the other cheek and loving your enemies. Jesus letting us know that he is the way and the truth and the life. That he is God in the flesh. When you have seen me, you've seen the Father. That was his ministry. Did you know that for 29 years, Jesus didn't do what he did for those three years? Like for the first 29 years of the life of Jesus, he just listened. He was present. There was no water into wine. There was no feeding of the 5,000. It was just Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the other siblings. And they had a family and they did life. And Jesus, as God in the flesh, the creator and sustainer of you and me and all things, for 29 years, he just listened, was present, was here with us. Maybe this is why his brother James wrote these words in his letter. We should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because he watched his brother do that for 29 years before he did any miracles, before he did any powerful moments of speaking or powerful moments of life change. For 29 years, he listened. I know he's God and God is love. He defines and shapes love. But maybe one of the reasons why he is so loving is because he's a good listener and he decided to make an investment of time. And what we can learn from Jesus is this. How do we get to know someone? We make the investment of time. And I know that we can struggle with this. We can struggle with this in many ways, but especially in our romantic relationships. Often we will skip the investment of time in our romantic relationships and we'll move directly to a physical relationship. But here's the tension that we ride when we do that. The words that God has given to men and women over centuries that have been recorded in what we call the scriptures teach us and Jesus himself taught that when we come together sexually, in sexual intimacy, we are uniting our souls together. In other words, sex is not just a physical act. And you know this. 
And we know this maybe more because of the negativity that can surround sexual activity. For example, if you have ever suffered at the hands of someone else any sort of sexual abuse, you can't just get over it, can you? Because it's not just a physical act. It's emotional. In some ways, it's spiritual. It's why the writers of the scripture say when two come together, they become one. They are united in their souls. That's the language we use at marriage ceremonies. The two shall become one. And here's, here's the issue if we decide to actually move past the investment of time and jump into a sexual relationship and we just treat it as a physical relationship, what we're doing is we're tying ourselves to that person physically, but we don't know if we can trust them emotionally. We don't know if we can rely upon them spiritually. We don't know if we can commit to them relationally, but we've given them the greatest gift that we have, the gift of our body and our soul without commitment, without covenant, without promise. This is why God is so honest with us about what we do in relationship. Now you might ask yourself, so when is the, the best time to actually give yourself over? When do you know that it's a good time to actually hand yourself over physically? Well, again, the scriptures are very clear about this. God himself is very clear about this. In the gift of marriage is when you express the gift of sexual intercourse, sexual activity. And some of you are like, well, well, then does that mean that I can like rush through to get to the marriage ceremony? And this is really important for those that are single and looking to date, or maybe you're dating and looking to take the next step and, and, and curious about the, the physical interaction that you can have with your significant other. Hear me when I say this, that you may think that you have found the right person for you, but the right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. The right person at the wrong time is the wrong person, even if they are perfect, even if they've got really great curly hair and big ears and, and, and a really nice, even if they are just so incredibly handsome and cheer for the 49ers, it could still be the wrong person, right? And I think that that's important for us to understand, especially as we're navigating being single or we're navigating dating. The right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. That's why we make the investment of time. And here's why time is so important. Relationship researchers have noticed something that happens in almost every relationship, that there's this 90-day reality Maybe that's why 90 day fiance actually exists, right? Because what they've discovered is after 90 days, you begin to learn something about that person that you weren't aware of prior to that 90th day. That there is something in a relationship that causes someone to go, oh, I thought I knew you because you did something or I did something that actually threw them off or you did something that threw me off. And relationship researchers have found that after 90 days, this kind of arises. And, and what's interesting about it is that in this 90 day reality, 
half of all romantic relationships end because somebody goes, I thought I knew you, but now this is what I've discovered and I don't know if we can continue. Have I ever told you about the uh, controversy in the Frisch marriage, the Mike and Tiffany Frisch marriage that has to do with the tea, the iced tea pitcher? Have I ever told you that story? Because it's a really great story. Um, see, what happened was Tiff and I, we got married and at about the 90 day mark in our marriage, my lovely, wonderful, best friend of a wife came into the living room in the apartment that we were living in and she had the iced tea pitcher and there was about that much iced tea at the bottom. And she, she said, honey, when it gets this low, go ahead and dump it out and then wash it and then make some more iced tea, please. And I went, sure, absolutely. And can I ask, what is with this attitude, Tiffany? And come to find out for the 90 days that we had been married, whenever the iced tea gets down to this much, Mike decided that I don't want to waste it. So I'm just going to put it back in the fridge because it might actually quench somebody's thirst to which my wife said, this wouldn't quench the thirst of an ant. You've left so little in there. Now, Whenever I share stories like this, I ask for permission from my wife and from my kids. So I asked Tiff, I said, hey, can I share the iced tea pitcher story about what happened years ago? And she goes, what do you mean what happened? <laughs> and I was like, is there something we need to talk about? because apparently I'm still doing it. <laughs> but because my wife loves Jesus and loves me, this 90 day reality didn't sink us. We're still married and we're going strong and I'm excited about that. But there is a 90 day reality in relationship, which is why we need to make the investment of time. There's this moment in the, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures where the Israelites asked God, through the prophet Samuel for a king because everybody else had a king. And God said, well, when I give you a king, he's not going to be like me. He is going to be human. He's gonna have selfishness that leads the way. And so he perhaps will take advantage of you. And the people are like, no, no, give us a king. We want a king like everybody else. So he does and they anoint a king. His name is Saul. And Saul does everything that God said he would do. In fact, Saul was incredibly selfish and didn't honor God or the people of God. And so there was this moment where God then speaks to the prophet Samuel and says, I want you to anoint a second king. And so Samuel is instructed to go to the house of a man named Jesse, who has really strong, tall, rugged boys, boys that would be incredible kings. And so when Samuel shows up there, Jesse brings all of, almost all of his sons in front of Samuel. And as Samuel is meeting with each of them, he has this sense in his heart like this has to be the guy. Then he meets the second son and goes, maybe, maybe this is the guy. Then he meets the third son and says, maybe perhaps this is the new king. Because of how he looked, because of how strong he was, because of how he carried himself. And then there's this really famous verse in 1 Samuel 16 where God speaks to, to, to Samuel's heart. 
And he says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is so true of humanity and it shows up in very simple ways. Like for example, when a girl meets a guy, her friends will often ask, well, what does he do? It's on the outside of him. What does he do? Does he have a job? Will he be able to take care of you? When a, when a guy meets a girl, his friends will often ask, what does she look like? Again, it's on the outside of them. Everything is about on the outside. It's not necessarily what's happening on the inside. But God tells Samuel, I don't look at what you look at. I start with the heart. And the heart is the character and the integrity and the love and the faith of someone. God says, I start there. I look for that. That's what I see. And you can do the same thing when you make the investment of time. You want to discover the integrity of another? Invest time. You want to know about the character of another? Invest time. You want to learn about the faith of another? Invest time. And this isn't just about dating and, and being engaged and even marriage. This is about friendships and business relationships. The investment of time is something that we should never rush. Hear me when I say this, time is always your friend. We should never rush. We should always consider wisdom and being patient, especially when it comes to relationships, impactful relationships, especially if you're considering dating, getting engaged, or even perhaps getting married. And this goes both ways. This isn't just something that I do for you. I'm going to invest time in you so that I can get to know you, but this is something that you do for me. You spend time and invest time in me so that you can get to know me. And when we do, here's the challenge. Make the most of your time by sharing the parts of yourself that you're tempted to keep hidden. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote these words, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Utilize the investment of time by treating it as a moment where there is nothing that's off limits because what you keep as off limits will be the lid to your growth in your relationships. The things that you keep to yourself that perhaps will help if you share will be the lid to your relationships. So for example, parents, don't hide your story from your kids. Now that doesn't mean that you give them every detail in detail. I have a friend, his name is Bob and he served for about five years on our youth staff team when I was the youth pastor here at Active Church rode a motorcycle and we had two Bobs on the team. And so we called him Biker Bob. And Biker Bob was a perfect leader for high school boys. He was so great at challenging them and inspiring them and encouraging them. And when Bob shared his story, he never started with, here's how terrible I was. You know where Bob started? Bob started with the day he met Jesus because he wanted to highlight the work 
of Jesus and the person of Jesus and what Jesus has done for him. And then he would circle back and share some of the things that he struggled with and how he was redeemed and rescued and transformed. But he never started with the complete mess and he never gave us all the details of the complete mess. But what Bob did is he used what he had been through and he evaluated it through his experience so that he could share wisdom with those that he loves and those that he's leading. Parents, it's really important for us to not keep everything to ourselves because there is something that you've been through, that you've learned from, that maybe drew you to Jesus or reminded you of his grace and his mercy that your children need to experience, not from anybody else, but from you. They need to hear it from you. Spouses, your intimacy in your relationship will grow when you decide to be vulnerable, when you decide to be honest, when you decide to share what's stirring. Leaders, it's okay to admit when you don't know, and it's okay to admit when you're wrong. Those are important moments in taking advantage of the investment of time. And by the way, proximity is not an investment of time, but a decision of convenience. You being in the same room with your spouse or your kids or your friends is not an investment of time. Oh, we were kind of around each other. I don't understand why you're so upset with me. Being around each other is not an investment of time. But choosing to be intentional with your time is the investment that we want to make, that Jesus made for us. It changed us. So make the investment of time. Let me take you back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and read it again to you. It says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross." Jesus not only made the investment of time, but he did something with that time that Paul actually tells us about. Jesus died on a cross and then rose from the grave three days later because Jesus made the investment of time which allowed him to know us And he made us, so he already knew us, but then he took years to listen, to be present, and knew us even more intimately and relationally. And even when he did his ministry, Jesus didn't always start with a lesson. Jesus started with listening. That's why he was so good with people who were so put off by religion and by God that Jesus was liked by those people who didn't like religion, but Jesus liked them and they liked Jesus. And because he made the investment of time, you know what he discovered? Something that he knew from the beginning, it's why he came, but then he lived it out. Jesus knew that we needed redemption, transformation. Jesus knew that we needed salvation. Jesus knew that we needed forgiveness and freedom. And so what did he do? He gave of himself on the cross. Not only did he make the investment of time, Jesus acted on what he knows. And so can you in your relationships act on what 
you know. So let me, let me help you out. What do we know? Let's talk about marriage for a moment. For a wife in a marriage is to be loved. Paul put it this way in Ephesians 5. He said, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, you want to be more like Jesus than love the way Jesus loves you. Wives, you want to be more like Jesus than respect your husband the way that you have been given dignity and respect from Jesus. And it's not that we ignore love and just give respect, or it's not that we ignore respect and give love. It's that this is the number one need of each of us. And so we're going to prioritize that. And by the way, love and respect go hand in hand. It should never be demanded. Well, she doesn't respect me. That it has ever come out of your mouth, then you should ask yourself this question. How well are you loving her like Jesus loves you and his church? He gave his life. What are you giving up? And then vice versa for wives. He doesn't love me. Maybe it might start with the respect that's given. You and I should never demand it. What I've discovered in my relationships, dating, engaged, married, but also work relationships, friendship relationships, is that love and respect is easily given away when I'm receiving it from others. And when I see them choosing to serve me, even though I don't deserve it. This is what we know in marriage. What do we know as parents? Paul writes this in Ephesians 6, 4. He says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. To provoke your children to anger means that you're stirring up something in them that doesn't allow them to discover the love and the joy and the peace and the patience of God that he wants to implant in their heart. This doesn't mean that you won't have moments that are tough and contentious, but the directive that we get from Paul, ultimately from God, is that as parents, parents, what we do is we raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, what are you doing that they could actually model and copy? Have you, have you seen the, the video of the dad watching his favorite team play in the playoffs and his young son sitting next to him in a diaper and it's the final play of the game and the team that the dad is rooting for, it looks like they have lost and so the dad falls back and puts his hands on his head but the son doesn't see his dad do that. The son sees the play and he goes, yes! And then he looks to his dad and goes, oh! And then he falls back and puts his hands on his head as well. Your child's greatest leader is not their teacher. Your child's greatest leader is not their youth pastor. Your child's greatest leader is not the person with the microphone. Your child's greatest leader is you. You get to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And if you don't like what they're doing, start with you. What am I doing? Because you can't control what they do. You can control what you do. And parents, often we provoke our kids to anger because we're asking of them perhaps something that we are unwilling to do or we are currently not doing. And have you ever said, do as I say, not as I do? That's funny and it's so ungodly. 
And that may be one of the reasons why we struggle as parents. What about for you that are kids, that are teenagers, that are young adults and have, maybe you're at home or you're living with parents. What do you know? Well, Paul writes these words, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. This is the only commandment in the scriptures, in all of the scriptures that comes with a promise. And the promise is you do this and it will actually benefit your life. You will have a long life on earth. And maybe if you honor your father and mother, they won't threaten to kill you. Maybe that's what he's actually talking about here. I I don't know. I wasn't there when he wrote it, but there is a benefit. There is a plus. It's, It's you honoring mom and dad. By the way, mom and dad, we never demand this. We earn it. And if your children are not honoring you, then then ask yourself why. And, And children, teenagers, young adults, if you're not honoring mom and dad, the posture needs to shift from being angry to actually working through whatever the issue might be. Have you noticed that often when there's an issue, it's usually you versus me? But leader Adam Grant actually says the better way forward is when we actually make the problem the problem and then you and me look for a solution to the problem. Instead of making it about you and me and we go after you and me, whatever the problem might be. Instead, Adam Grant says, what if you and I decided to actually partner up and go, well, here's the problem. What solutions can we bring to it? That's how we can avoid deep wounding conflict. And if you're a teenager, young adult, even if you're a kid in this room or if you're watching online, here's, here's a secret about mom and dad. Parents always think five years down the line. Always. Teenagers, young adults, young kids, they don't think five seconds down the line, right? Usually it's right now. What do I want right now? I'm going to go do this right now. Here's what I'm doing right now. I get it. I was there. I was with you. Now I'm just lazy. I don't want to do it right now. I'll do it later, Right? The the truth is, is that the tension often in our relationships is because your parents are going, where will this lead? And you're like, I don't, it's not going to go anywhere. Come on, trust me, right? And and that doesn't mean that you lack wisdom and it doesn't mean that they lack wisdom, but that's often where the tension is. We're thinking this choice could lead to this. And the reason why we're thinking that is because we either went through it or we know someone that did, or we've experienced it in ministry and relationship. That's where the tension often lies. It's why the invitation is to come back to discipline and instruct in the way of the Lord and to honor your father and your mother, that those would be the things that you would hold on to, that Jesus would lead the way. He would be the anchor in you. What about what we know as friends? Paul writes these words in Romans. He says, don't repay evil for evil but to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Notice that it's always bringing us closer so that we can be together, so that we can grow. We make the investment of time and then we act on what we know. And one last thing, everything we do is shaped by the knowledge of who we are. And who we are is only communicated and dictated and determined by God. Only communicated and dictated and determined by God. I'm gonna say it one more time. Who we are is 
only communicated by God. Paul put it this way. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Have you ever thought, why would God forgive me? Whoo, that's too great for you to understand. You ever thought about, why would God want me close when I've done these things? Whoo, it's too great for you to understand. This, may you experience this, the love of Christ that is too great to fully understand that you may be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Hear me, especially for those that are entering into relationships, thinking about it, are in a relationship, are dating, are engaged, are married. The person that you're in relationship with cannot complete you. And if you put that on them or they are putting that on you, they are asking you to do what only God can do. So I just wanna be clear. You can't do it. They can't do it. My wife does not complete me and I do not complete my wife. That is not my job. That is not my role. That is not in my abilities. That is not in my gifting. Only God does that. Hear me when I say that when two incomplete people come together, they make a complete mess. If we're relying on each other to complete each other, you're going to make me whole. Then you are actually, you are actually asking them to do the thing that only God through Jesus Christ can do and will do. But when two completed people come together, God will do something beautiful. Tim Keller is an author, he's a pastor, and he's somebody that when I wanna have my, my convictions challenge, when I wanna have my brain expand, when I wanna be uh, awakened to something new as I follow Jesus, I'll engage with Tim Keller in a teaching or in a book. He's got a couple of really fantastic books if you are looking for something to really challenge you. It's heavy sledding, by the way, which means that as you read through, like the words are big. And so I have to read the page 14 times to actually understand what he's saying, but he has some really profound things to say about God and things to say about the power of God. And he says this to summarize our conversation today, to be loved by, but not known is comforting, but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us maybe we could summarize today's conversation this way. Every great relationship comes down to this one thing, to know and to be known and to be loved anyway. To know and to be known and to be loved anyway. So make the investment of time. Act on what you know and know who you are. And God communicated that. 
and showed you that so that you can act on what you know, so that you can know that you know. And so the next time someone says, I just know that I know, what they might be saying is, is I made an investment of time and I acted on what I knew and I know who I am and I wasn't gonna negotiate that. And I found the one that I believe can tell a better story with me in relationship, can tell a better story with me in friendship, can tell a better story with me in a work environment, can tell a better story with me no matter the relationship. Make the investment of time. Act on what you know and know who you are. So who needs some time from you? Are you, are you in a relationship that you've rushed it's okay to add time. It's okay. They may not like it and you may not like it either. But it's okay to add time. Who needs an investment of time from you? Spouse, significant other, kids, employees, boss. And then who needs you to act on what you know? Who needs you to, to do what it is that you've already learned? Who needs you to go, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hang with you today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit with you today. I'm gonna have a dinner, a meal with you today. And not just be around them in proximity, but actually prioritize them, make an investment of time and then act on what you know. And then do you, do you need to be reminded of who you are? Friends, this is why we have connection groups and we're launching them in a couple weeks because those groups are, are such a beautiful gift to us because we'll, we'll learn certain specific things. Each connection group is like a master class. It'll be really incredible for you and for me, but what we discover in those connection groups is who we actually are, who God has communicated that we are. And we get to live that out in relationship, which is why today, if you're here in the room, I would invite you to stop by the Connection Group's table and pick up a catalog to see what's available. If you're watching online, I would invite you to go to our website, activechurches.com. You can sign up for groups there, or if you're here today, you can sign up for groups at the table. And if you are struggling with knowing who you are, this is why the step towards baptism is a great step for you. Because you're announcing that you have been made complete, are being made complete. Your wholeness and your peace and your holiness comes from God. It's not you saying that I'm finished and done and the work is over. It's you saying that the work of God is finished and done and now I'm learning to trust in that by choosing to go public with my love for Jesus. And if that's you, I wanna invite you to get baptized. Our next baptism Sunday is February 12th. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So not only can you watch the Super Bowl that day, but you can have a super soul day as God does a good work in you. I know that was cheesy, but I just felt it in my spirit to say it out loud, right? And I wanna invite you to get signed up for baptism. We would love to celebrate that life change in you. Friends, make the investment of time, act on what you know, and then know who you are. Make the investment of time, act on what you know, and then know who you are. Thanks for listening today to the Active Church Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message of hope. 
stay connected with everything happening around active on our social media platforms on instagram facebook and youtube if you want to know more information about active church check out our website we hope to see you soon 9 a.m 10 45 every single sunday Thank you.